You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is Ramban versus Rambam, and I'm going to spend a lot of time with the with the uh, with the Ramban tonight. I hope. Uh, first of all, of course, to clarify how his opinion differs from the Rambam. He definitely lodged his attack, and I have here on the uh, screen the emphasizing how strange he believes the Rambam's opinion is, meaning everything the Chachamim said, no matter what it was, from Mikra Megillah, any Tachanan, it's Yog, and he gives a whole bunch of examples, Yantav Shani, all of those things should all be an Easter from the Torah, and he actually shows that this is the Rambam's opinion. And we talked about this, of course, last week. And the Ramban shows his, uh, he's making his case very much like a district attorney to show how recorded the Rambam is and how connected he is to this. The element that's a little bit complicated for those who aren't familiar is the Zuckin Mamre aspect. And this is not just, uh, and, and I probably did not do a great job last week of integrating and showing how important this was to the Ramban's case. Let me try again a little bit. He says, if you hold like the Rambam. Now, obviously, the Rambam did not believe, and the Ramban knew that, that anyone who disagreed with the rabbis or didn't follow the rabbi's law is a Zokin Mamre. Everybody knows that to be a Zokin Mamre, you have to be on the level to actually be a member of the great Sanhedrin and you have to know your stuff so to speak and you have to actually gone through the process and you have to actually uh, have been instructed by them about something and you've actually had to have a meeting with them those are Gemaras, Mishnayos and Gemaras in Sanhedrin and Elu Nechnokim that nobody can deny the the, what the Ramban wants, and let me make it clear about this Zuck and Mamre business, is that since the Rambam inserts rabbinical law into Leisosur, then you're going to have Zuck and Mamres that are going to be put to death because of some aspect of rabbinical law. Which aspect? So as I mentioned last week, it's going to be a rabbinical law that is a protection or a uh, an adjunct to a Daraisa law that you're Chayef Kares for. Because the Rambam admits that it's got to be, and we went through this last week in length, that it ca- he agrees with the Gemara in Eilun and Echnoke, and he paskins like Rav Meir, that it's got to somehow be connected to a Chayef Kares, which is what the Gemara in Sanhedrin illustrates. That many, many mitzvot, many, many uh, laws can be connected to them. What the Ramban is going to jump on the Rambam for, if I didn't make it clear last week, I'll clarify it now, is that if there is a Xera that is meant to be a fence or to somehow um, imitate a din achi of kares, and that's what he says here. Im cholak aleim bigzerim and agzerim shagozer b'dever sheyeshbo bishgogoso chatas v'zdono kares. For example, chametz on erev Pesach 
at 11 o'clock, if that's going to be the machlokas, so you'd be chay of kores, even though all it is is a rabbinical law, because it's a rabbinical law that in a way is, and we're going to see this a little bit later, more an isser of chometz. The rabbis created an isser chometz on the, uh, and even though it's totally rabbinical, if if the chacham argues about that, then he's going to be put to death, even though what he refuses to accept is essentially a rabbinical directive. Rabbi Kivalevich, yes. just one quick thing. And just to clarify, it, it's not just Kores, but it's also the death penalty. Right, it, right. But it's like right. I mentioned to you on, on a personal conversation we had earlier, mm-hmm. the the reason why the Kores is crucial, because it, it says, davar. all right? The word davar is a little bit extra. It also says the word davar in Parshas Vayikra, when it says, Venelim adavar ha'eda. And therefore, there, that is where it's, 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 a, it's an Avera that the Sanhedrin allows a chi of kores. That, that's by, um, in, in Vayikra. The other davar, Bob, is by Zoken Mamre. So Rameyer connects the two with his tradition from his learning. And therefore, a kuzok in mamre, which is the result of that parsha of of, of lososur, is only something that the davar was connected to kores at least, right? Now you're right, Bob. The kores could have been more than that. It could have been the death sentence, but 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 at least kores. All right. So what the Chiddush of the Rambam is, is that because Loisosur includes everything based on his drash, that includes all rabbinical laws, so the Zuck and Mamre, who the Rambam admits will only, the Rambam did not believe that if Zuck and Mamre argued about Hanukkah, he would be put to death. If Zuck and Mamre would have gone in and said, I disagree with this, it never was true, we shouldn't keep near Hanukkah. He he would be uh, he would have been overly sosur, but he would not be put to death with the parsha of Zokin Mamre. But a rabbinical law that, like he says, chametz on on an erev Pesach at a certain time, you would be uh, a, you would be a Zokin Mamre. Now I'm making this point because the Ramban is going to prove that's not true, and I'm going to show you tonight. The brilliance of his proof. Okay. Let's go to the next part that I've underlined here. The uh, When it comes to uh, a search in rabbinic literature about people who have violated the laws that the rabbis promulgated, complete rabbinical laws, for example, um, he says what we find is not there's no death sentences even if you are a Zokin Mamre who was, was going to the center and saying I hate this Takana that you made you had no right to make it even that person is the worst he has is Nidui which is 
um, excommunication of a sort. Um, and that's the worst it is. That's the worst that you find. He says, you do find Makas Mardos, but as I mentioned last week, um, that's only, as the Ramban says, where they have created, not like near Hanukkah, but for example, uh, a Melocha de Rabbanon, a Shneos, uh, a Raios mid Rabbanon. Um, those, and even there, you would get Makos, and even though the statement is always Ad Shetetze Napsho, until the person has died, it doesn't really mean that, the Ramban says. What it really means is you hit him until he starts accepting mitzvos. The, Ram, the Rambam writes, and this is, in, 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 as I mentioned last week, in Hilchos Chometz Matzah, the Rambam seems to write that someone who eats matzah on Erev Pesach, you would beat him till he died, which again, the Ramban feels is a byproduct of how machmer the Rambam is on rabbinical law that the rabbis would punish you, not just as a means to stir you to listen to them, but would actually vindictively almost kill you, which he says is not true. Okay? Um, Obviously, the main point is, is that all throughout rabbinic literature, rabbinical law is always treated as less. It's treated on a much lower level. It, it's it's it, in so many ways it's a totally different element of of life in terms of whether you have to go back and do it again, um, whether you have to be machmir. Um, so all of those things are uh, indicators. Uh, if you eat ma- if you eat the Gemara says if you eat matzah daraita with mora derabanan, you've ruined your mitzvah daraita because. Rabbinical mitzvos are just actions that the rabbis want you to do, and they will therefore ruin the matzah that's in your mouth. Even though, of course, in the time of the the Korban Pesach, we know that people ate matzah and morah together. But now that morah has been deuced, has been reduced to a rabbinical law, putting it in your mouth with the matzah together ruins your mitzvah of matzah. Um, Rabbi Kivalevich, just yes, ask, yes, Jack. So is is all, is this like purely theoretical because there is no Sanhedrin now? Well, one, one second. Um, what, what I'm not sure what you're responding to. Right, right, right. The Zokin Mamre, the Zokin Mamre is, is is going to play a part. And, and, and the reason the Ramban is going to, you'll see in a minute why he puts so much uh, emphasis on it. He wants it out there for his readers to know that the Rambam, at the time that there was a Sanhedrin putting people to death, would have put to death a man who argued against a rabbinical legislation. And, and that's what he wants on there. And the Rambam actually does write that. So, so, that puts the Rambam in a very, um, in the Ramban's mind, in a very um, uh, weak position because he's going to knock him out. And and you'll see in a minute how he does. Uh, But but in general, Jack, 
the main emphasis here is that, the, as, as we mentioned last week, is that the Rambam has overstated totally and completely rabbinic, uh, the power of, of, of what rabbinic authority rests on. Um, and, and then, as we mentioned last week, it's illogical in the Ramban's mind to say that their power stemmed from God, from the Torah, from Lososur, and yet when the rabbis decided to promulgate and use that power, they decided to institute all these leniencies in order for some strange reason to know that it's not truly from God, even though it basically is, which is why it's illogical. That's why he says, he says in other words, why would they institute that in their, you know, so people should like have a, a sense of, of, of understanding, right? That they, so, but they, they sort of had to, when they started, when they started actualizing the power that was given to them, they decided, well, you know what, we, we shouldn't really uh, allow our, our takonos like uh, Ner Hanukkah or Megillah or whatever they are uh, or, or Natilas Yedayim uh, to be so strong, even though they should be, because we want people to know that we did them and they're not in the Torah itself. That's why the Ramban feels it's illogical to, to, to say that. And he says on the Rambam, it really doesn't make sense. He knows that that is what many people say. And many of, of you know, people who defend the Rambam do say that. That yes, it's from the Torah, but the rabbis uh, realized they didn't, want, they, they didn't want to cause confusion. Rambam feels that there's no logic to that. Um, as I mentioned last week, the, the Ramban... And I know I'm reviewing, and I hope the review is okay because I, I got the sense that that there was a little bit of confusion, and I take my blame for that. So you know, I think I'm adding a couple of points to what I said last week anyway uh, to set up the Ramban's case. The other thing was is that the Gemara in, in and Bob quoted this in his um, in a synopsis that he sent, I think, to almost everyone out there. That the Gemara in 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 in, in Brochos in the third parak seems to deal with this issue directly, and and it says that even though Lo Tosur is something the rabbis understood was connected to their rabbinical legislation, the term they use is asmachta asmachinu kol mili the rabbanan alav de Lo asmachinu. And that's what he says. It's not like other lavim, right? He says, he says, the lav said the lasosu kishar lavin shatorah, avu divreim alzehalav, whether it's ner Hanukkah, whether it's natilas yadayim, whether it's eruv, it's only asmachina, which he says is asmach bialma lechizuk. That's all they are. Um, I didn't mention this last week, but it's a beautiful raya. The Gemara says in Kira, which is the, I think the fourth parak in Masech de Shabbos, I believe so. Um, the Gemara goes into the halachos of um, going to a bathhouse on Shabbos and um, uh, taking baths 
in water that was heated from before Shabbos. That, that is not usur from the Torah. If the water was not heated on Shabbos, you should be able to go into the bath and, and, and feel good on Shabbos. The rabbis ossered that. The rabbis also ossered, eventually, they even went further, and ossered entering a bathhouse and not bathing, but just entering it and taking your clothes off and just enjoying the hot uh, steam and getting the schwitz and sweating. They ossered that as well. So the Gemara said, when it explained why uh, they had to do that, why they had to Aser sitting in the bathhouse and enjoying the steam, the Gemara uses the term Meshirabu Ovre Avera. When the Ovre Avera, what did they start doing? They started bathing and saying that they were not steep, they were not sweating, that they were actually taking baths. They said, you know what? We can't trust anybody. Stay out of the bathhouse. So Rava said, hmm, that's an interesting term the Brisa uses. You see from that term, That person, you can call him a Baal Avera, because it says, Now, one second, the Ramban says. The Avera of taking a bath in water the Easter that the rabbis made of jumping into water and bathing yourself in water that was heated before Shabbos was an Easter the Rabbanon that they made. It was an Easter with Loisosur and Alpiatara Sheriarucha. And if there would have been a Zokin Mamre who would go against it, who would have said the Easter doesn't apply, he would have been put to death. Do you need to tell me that's called a Balavera? From the way the Gemara talks about, you see, someone does goes against the, the Rabbanon. He's an he's a Baal Avera. He does Averos, of course. Obviously, that's not true. And this is, and, and as I said, Jack, Medina Zokin Atzmo. This is the Ramban talking. Inyan. I'm going to use Zokin Mamre to show that. That this is totally wrong with the what with, with the what the Rambam says, and look, look at this language that I've underlined here. Kikol ma'ashel choshav, kikol ma'ashel choshav, v'dorash boharav eno emes. Everything that he, the way he's thinking about it, the drasha, the, the the way he's come composed it, it's not true. Avodover baruchu that you're never made a Zuck and Mamre for anything to do with the Rabona. Now, so let me, then he wants to show you how. Um, I mentioned before of Mayer's opinion that to be a Zuck and Mamre based on the Xayr Shov, it's got to be Dovershes Dono Kores. As he says, Gemiro Mipar Helem Dovershotzibor. And we know, of course, <laughs> the Sanhedrin never brings a Korban and if it has anything to do with the Rabonan. Okay. Also, even though the Rambam combines the opinions of Meir and Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda says that a Zok and Mamre is chayiv on tefillin, adding 
a, a, a parish of tefillin. If you notice what I've underlined here, afala tefillin, meaning Rabbi Yehuda was not arguing so much with Rav Meir as he was adding to Rav Meir. He says, there's one other thing you're chayev for besides uh, all these things that can lead even through a whole number of processes to kares is tefillin. And the reason is, is because the Torah writes, al piha Torah asher yarucha. Now, what does that mean, Torah asher yarucha? Now, Bob, you remember this week we discussed, and Bob put it in his translation notes, of the Rambam's interpretation of that Pasuk. Torah asher yarucha in the Rambam's interpretation, which is his own original one, means laws that they invent, that they direct us to, to fulfill. Torah asher yarucha, like Hanukkah. Like Erev. The Gemara, though, explains that's where Rav Yehuda gets the idea that we're talking about something like Tfilin, where it's Mi'ikr from the Torah, but you need the rabbis to explain it. Let's see the words of the Ramban. Ikaro medivrei Torah, upeirusho medivrei sofrim. That's why it's called Torah asher yarucha. So actually, and, and this was something I think that maybe, again, that would be the way perhaps you might have thought the Pasuk meant. It's Torah, but they are explaining something in the Torah you wouldn't have known. Not a complete creation. So Rabbi Yehuda the Tana learns from that Pasuk that there's a, a way you become a Zuck and Mamre by by disagreeing with a Torah asher yarucha, which is tefillin, because that's something that's mi'ikar from the Torah, and they described the the fact that there should be four parshios and where they should be. Now, the Gemara that Ram, the Ramban is quoting, a Mishnah, says, according to Rav Yehuda, Yerchayev mimnei me Torah, so, let me re- reiterate. The Rambam, in his halachos, combines the two, Rav Meir and Rav Yehuda. So all the things are Chayef Kares for, plus Rav Yehuda's din of Tefillin. And we read that last week. It doesn't apply to Tzitzis. It doesn't apply adding more Tzitzis. It doesn't apply to adding from the Dalad Minim. That's the Ram- what, the, what the, we read the Rambam last week. The Ramban now says, what did, what did Rabbi Yehuda mean when he said Divrei Sofrim? Divrei Sofrim didn't mean a gzera the rabbis made. It meant a tradition or an interpretation using the 13 hermetical principles of the Yud Gimel Midos. That's what Divrei Sofrim meant. The Torah wrote Tefillin and the rabbis added this. Because there was unclear what tefillin meant, what totafos means, and they explained it. That was Divrei Sofrim. And that's what he quotes here. Ain't tefillin minatora. If, if a Zakin Mamre would say, there's no such thing as tefillin, that's not Torah Sher Yerucha. There's definitely something called tefillin, 
says Totafos. We know there's something you're supposed to put on your head. There's something you're supposed to. We, and, and we probably understood that was some sort of object. The man says you don't have to put anything on your head or on your arm. He's denying the Torah. But if he, if he has an argument that is about how it should look, that it should be five compartments, that's when he is, that's when he's not accepting Torah Asher Yerucha. Okay. Which means, again, the Ramban points out, Perushom, what they've explained, not things that they instituted. Which is against the Rambam's interpretation of that word. Again, the Rambam in Hilchas Mamrim says, Torah Shir Yerucha means a takana, that they, they give us the light, the direction of what to do to make our lives better. The, the Ramban says that is a, a complete fictional interpretation, which is not true, and it's and, and it's contradicted by the Gemara in Sanhedrin. And, and now, if it, it let's say a, a Chacham would say, "There's no such thing as tefillin." Of course, that's not a psak. That's something that even the Tzaduki believes is true. That's Eino Hayra. But if there's something that that Sudukin would disagree on, that's where you need the Sanhedrin. That's what the Sanhedrin is about. That is the power of the Sanhedrin and Azok and Mamre's denial of their interpretation. Okay. So, then the Ramban says, there is a Sifre. Now, we know what the Sifre is. The Sifre is the uh, is the halachic Midrashim on these psukim. So I'm not going to read the whole sifrei, but here is, here it is. I've 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 copied it for copied it for you. Ki yipole. Okay, what does yipole mean? It's got to be someone who's so smart that uh, it's got to be on the highest level of learning. We're not talking about some kid who, who who says I don't believe in the rabbis. And then it goes through all the different types. Din ladin, dam ladam, what each thing is. Okay, most of this Mishnah, most of this Brisa, I'm sorry, which is in the Sifrei, up until here, is quoted in what I'm what I'm bolding here, or, or, or I'm, I'm showing you. All of this is quoted almost verbatim in the Mishnah in Sanhedrin. The Mishnah Sanhedrin quotes much of this. What's not quoted by the Mishnah Sanhedrin, this first part, Mimcha zu Eitzah, Dover zu Halacha, Lemishpat Zehadin, Dam Ladam, that's Yoledes, Din Ladin is Mamanus and Nefoshos. That is quoted in the Baraisa quoted by the Gemara and Sanhedrin on Pevav, Omebez, and Pei Zion, Abed Aleph. The rest of this Sifrei is in the Mishnayis verbatim in Sanhedrin. Now, you'll see my point in a minute. Um, this part of the Sifrei, I did not see quoted in the Gemara and is not part of the Mishnah, which is even Yavne. Um, is considered a Bezdin, um, not just in Yerushalayim. Also, this part, 
um, is not quoted in the Gemara and is not quoted in the Mishnah. But it's all part of, now let me explain this better, of the original drushas of Torah Shabalpeh on this Pasik. The Sifrei, the Safra, the Mechilta, these Midrashim, with the original way Torah Shabalpeh was studied. The idea of studying Torah Shabalpeh divided into six sections of Zroyim and Moed and Noshim and Nezikim and Taharos uh, and Kochim, Kochim and, 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 uh, uh, and Taros. That was a later innovation. And it was the one that was given uh, uh, preeminence. And it's the way most of us think the way you're supposed to study. But there is a more ancient way of studying, which was based on the psukim themselves. And within the psukim, all the rabbinical laws and everything else and the drushas would be contained. Now, the sifrei that we have, which is on Bamidbar and Dvarim, and this is the sifrei on Dvarim specifically, represents in many ways the original drushos of Torah Shabalpeh. That's what, that's, that's what the Mechilta is, and that's what Torah Kohanim on Vayikra is, which is called Safra. And sifrei means the other book. There's, there's Safra, the major book which is the book called Teres Kohanim, because that's the one that was studied the most. And then the other books are called Sifrei because they are sort of ancillary, even though they have very important laws in it, they were considered not as crucial for expertise. I don't know why. But that is why it's called Safra and Sifrei. Safra means the book. Sifrei means the other books. And one of them was the parish on the, the Sifrei on Dvarim. What we have is probably very close to what that original Sifrei was. It might have things that were added to it, but that's what the Sifrei is. In the Sifrei, that m- many of those pieces made it into the later Mishnah, and then the pieces that didn't make it into the Mishnah, listen to what I'm saying, made it into the Gemara as quote-unquote a brisa. Here's a part that didn't make it into the Mishnah or in the Brisa, but is still retained in the original Sifrei. What does it say? It says, You only get the death sentence about the Bezdan HaGod in Yerushalayim. But if Yavne, which of course were the rabbis before Yehuda HaNosi, like Rabbi, like, like Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, etc., you wouldn't get the death sentence, even though you probably have to listen to them. We already saw Rabbi Yehuda's drasha about tefillin. Look at this drasha. Hmm. It says here, even though we know Rabbi Yehuda's drasha was, Divrei Sofrim is Yarucha, right? Here it says you're not Chayiv Misal Divrei Sofrim. Now, so the Ramban has this Sifrei, which, right, which it's good for him, 
but he knows it contradicts what he just quoted in the name of Rav Yehuda. So let us see what the Ramban says. He says, if you look in the Sifrei, now this is the Ramban talking. I, I showed you the Sifrei, so you know what the Ramban is referring to. If you look at that Brisa, even though what the Ramban means here is the following. The Brisa in the Sifrei is the complete version of what ancient ancient wisdom was about these verses. At the end of that brisa, that part of it is in the Gemara of Eloin and Echnokim. It says, Ein chayoven You're not chayav on rabbinical law to be put to death. So what does that mean? It means because we just saw Rav Yehuda says you are chayef for divrei sofrim. There are two types of divrei sofrim. Ein chi klomar. That's why the Ramban uses the word klomar. She'ein chi yuvo el al perush shall sofrim bedivrei Torah. Where are you chayef? Where the sofrim explain the Torah. That's Torah asher yorucha. Yorucha is the rabbis talking to you. Torah is what? Torah is what's in the Torah itself. Yerucha is there explaining what those words mean, what it implies, what it's connected to, what the Gzair Shava would tell us, what the extra hay would mean, what the, the deep shot in the word means. That's called, that you are Chaya for, and only Chaya for that. You're not chayev for Torah on itself, because if, if anybody argues with that, he's an idiot. He's not overly saucer. He's a fared. He's just an idiot. Don't even listen to him. You're chayev for Torah asher yerucha. But if it's something where they are creating the law, lo al dovar she'ikoro divrei sofrim, not on something which is essentially Divrei Sofrim. Okay? Now, which is something the rabbis created. Now, now the Ramban makes his case. Again, his next point. Because the Gemara says that that Brisa, even though it's not completely um, downloaded, but the beginning of that Brisa is mentioned in the Gemara, the Gemara says Rav Meir agrees with that Brisa. Because here the Gemara quotes it. And here you see the Gemara. I, I, I quoted here the Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara doesn't quote everything that's in the Sefrei, but the first third of it. The first third, almost half of it. So then the Gemara says, Rav Huna Bar said to Rava, could you explain that brisa that everything there is connected to Kares? Because that brisa that's in the Sefrei mentions the Sota, it mentions Eglarufa. It mentions Lekat Shechavapeya. Um, how do you explain that according to Rav Meir that it's about things your Chayav Kar is for? So Rava turned to his great student, Rav Papa, and said, 
You do it, buddy. You can figure it out. Puk Tirgamalay. And everything I read to you last week from the Rambam about with the Rube Goldberg, that everything eventually gets back to Kares, that's what Rav Papa does. Which means Rav and Rav Papa, who represent the primary Shas thinkers, Rav, I always say, is the king of Shas. Rav Papa, these are the great men. They knew that Rav Meir, who we Paskin like, agrees with this Brisa, the complete Brisa, even the part that's not stated in the Gemara explicitly. That's the Ramban's point. So even the part that it has to do with Divrei Sofrim, that you're now chayav on Divrei Sofrim, is aligns with Rav Meir. Because the same way the Gemara wants Rav Meir, and the Gemara goes through a whole lengthy process to show that Rav Meir agrees with this Brisa, that must mean Rav Meir is right. Maybe Rav Yehuda is also correct with Rav Meir. Let's throw in Rav Yehuda as well about Tefillin. Tefillin and nothing else. But obviously, it has to be connected to Kares in some way. So therefore, the Ramban says, Ani Omer, She'im Kiddush Odom B'chometz Mishay Shosu I say against the Rambam that if you have someone who did Kedushin from 11 o'clock and the second person did Kedushin later and the Zokin says, you know what? She's married to the first guy. Why? Because it was not really us. It was only, it wasn't really Chomei Chomei, wasn't us. It was only us or Rabbanan. And the person who, who gave her Kedushin later is she's not married to. And they said, wait, wait, wait. Uh, she's married to the second guy. The first guy was only that, the, 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 right? Even though basically he allowed something that turns into kares right now. <laughs> Why? Because he's saying that she is not an HSE. She's saying that she's, she's an HSE to the second guy. It has to do with kares. It has to do with chametz. He says, you know what? It doesn't make a difference that it's connected in some way because it's about a different sofrim. It's a different sofrim that leads to a, a, a discussion of whether she's an HSC or not. It's not like we talked about last week about are, are you high of money? And if you take that money and you marry a woman, will you be high of Karis? They are the Ramban. Of course, that is what Rav Meir holds. But something which is inherently rabbinical, even though in the Ramban's case, it leads to a chi of kares. Because again, look what the Ramban says, that you married Kiddush Adam B'chometz Mishesh Asomala. Someone else went ahead and gave her Kedushan. The Zokin said the first one is the one she's married to. And let the first one live with her. One second. Didn't the rabbi say it's not worth any money? Didn't the rabbi say that what he gave her is worthless? Doesn't make a difference, right? And now when he sleeps with her, isn't she already married to the second guy? Because the second guy gave her something that's worth something. So his psak has allowed someone who should be chayef kares. The Ramban says, you're not a zokin mamre. Because that's not called Torah and Yerucha. Because that is completely rabbinic. 
Yes, in this way, it led to an Isser that you're Chayef Kares for. But what started it out was a total rabbinic construction. And therefore, even though we can see that you just allowed someone to sleep with a woman, who according to the other rabbis, is an Ashish Ish to the second guy, the Ramban says, you are not a Zuk in Mamre, even if you're arguing with the Bezlan Agado, and you're not going to be put to death. Now, he says, he says, Uvezeh hachidush niskavanti baharichai bekan. My whole purpose was to get to this, because many people don't understand it. To'u rabim bezeh. The Rabs Kloim are mixed up. Now, his I just want to show you his proof here to, to seal the, his case. And he says, um, when, he, when he talks about uh, the Mishnah in um, in Edius. In the Mishnah in Edius, it talks about um, who was the guilty man that was put into a great a, a teacher who the rabbis almost excommunicated. So they thought it might have been Akabya ben Mahalil. So Omer Rav Yehuda, Chas V'Shalom, the Mishnah in Edu says, Shakavya Nisnada. You think Akavya was put into Cherem? Of course not. Because he was one of the greatest tzaddikim. You know who they put in Cherem? Was Rabbi Lozer ben Hanad. What did he do, this Rabbi Lozer ben Hanad? Pikpek benetilas yadayim. Now, remember what that means. Netilas yadayim is Tuma de Rabbanon. Tuma de Rabbanon is, is, is a gzeira to Tuma de Raisa. Tuma de Raisa leads to Kares because if you're Tomei and you go into the Beis HaMikdash, you're If you're Tomei de Raisa and you eat Kachim, you're Chayiv Kares. So this was similar to Chometz on Pesach, on, on, on Erev Pesach. So when, when, when Elazar ben Hanad said, I argue with the Sanhedrin. I don't believe there should be Netilas Yadayim. I don't think we should have everybody washing, making everyone, forcing everyone to wash their hands, and everyone should consider their hands tame, and they need the water on it to take the tuma off. So he says, all, all they got was a Nidui, and even though we know from the Gemara that he argued with the Sanhedrin on it, and it was at a time that they were doing Dine Nefoshos because the Gemara says it was in the days of Akavya bin Mahalo. They were still putting people to death. And he actually told people not to do Netilas Yadayim, which would similar to telling, isn't that similar to saying, to arguing about Kedushin uh, with Chometz on Erev Pesach? He says it's like Chometz B'Shoshishis. And the only thing that happened to him was they put him in Cherem. They didn't kill him. Why didn't they kill him? Of course, if the Rambam is right, they should have killed him. And from here, this is all the buildup that the Ramban has 
he shows that the Rambam is wrong, that that Losasur does not include rabbinical law at all. So what is Losasur then? Well, Losasur, as he already pointed out, is not about why we follow rabbinical laws. It's why people don't argue with and and, 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 and argue with the Sanhedrin, the Bezdan Agodal. That's what Lysosur is about. And if you take a look here, I'm just going to go up here to the Ramban. He says that what is the Dover Habara Menuka Mikol Shibush? Lysosur is about understanding that the Rabbonim have power. And, and let me explain it better. Um, and I'll use the Ramban's own words. It's what they say the Torah means, or what they tell us they think the words mean from their, I'm not going to say a literary reading, a halachic slash literary reading that they understood what the Torah was talking about. Or they had a tradition that was centered and handed down to them all the way from the ancient mystics of tradition, all, maybe all the way from Moshe Rabbeinu. That is what um, Lysosser is about. If they think that it's Osser, based on the way they apply the Midos, or they might have had some secret or not-so-secret tradition from Moshe, then you've got to trust them. Now, if you if you don't trust them, if you believe they're wrong, that's a Zokin Mamre. If you believe that their interpretation is wrong, that they what they are saying is incorrect, that's a Zokin Mamre. And of course, you just don't believe it, but you also tell people and you act against them, then you're going to be put to death. And here's the principle. The Torah was given Biksav. Here's the Ramban's logic. We know God knew that this constitution that we call the Torah would have different interpretations throughout history. We would look to this book, this this, this, this holy safer with its words preserved perfectly, but there would not be a um, an agreement. There wouldn't be a of things that are going to happen in the future. People are going to look at it different based on where they come from, based on who their teachers were, based on their understanding, based on their sensibilities, based on their emotional state. Whatever it is, God knew that. And anyone who reads, if you think about the debates in the Constitution today, you know that this is the case. What does it mean, cruel and unusual? What does it mean, a militia? There's got to be words there. And God knew that those words would generate arguments of interpretation. Of course he did, the Ramban says. 
how could God give us a book and and and, and of course not provide a a, a vehicle for a uh, a definitive interpretation that he knows is going to be called for. God knows that there's, that's going to happen. So therefore, Los Saucer says, you got to listen to them. Why? Either because they've received the right tradition or they've earned the right to say this is what our guts, our brains, and our experience tells us the Torah means. Now, you're right, there could have been a different Sanhedrin of a different perspective that would have said it differently. But we got to follow that. And we have to say, not that we just have to follow it, that's what the Torah means. Because, obviously, God gave the Torah, but he knew there was going to be applications and extensions and things that were going to occur, not as rabbinical add-ons, but as a way to apply, how do we apply this to a reality that wasn't true in the Midbar? How do we apply that, Pusik? He He gave them that power. To to in that way, who the way they understood it and thought about it, that's the way he gave us the Torah. That's why it says, even if they tell you the left is right and the right is left, because the Baal Machlokas might say, wait, 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 I don't think they're right. How can I eat this chaylev? I'm going to eat this? The way I understand what the Torah meant when it said don't eat fat, it was this part. That's what my Rebbe told me, in fact. How can I now eat this? I I know that they are making a mistake. You need to tell him, buddy, you've got to follow their interpretation of what Chalev means. Now, and we found one of the greatest men of our time, of the Talmudic age, bowed his head, even though he was a greater scholar. Rabbi Yeshua went and agreed to Rabbi Gamil's version of Yom Kippur, right? That even though, according to him, it was not Yom Kippur, the way he, he believed, we know that he, on the day that would have been his Yom Kippur, he came and traveled and, and, and brought him and showed Rabbi Gamil that he agreed with, that, that, he, that he accepted that's the way any Zokan Mamre needs to be spoken to. Now, he says, however, there is a, a very important principle here. Now, I want to tell you that I heard a shear about this Ramban given by uh, Rabbi Gain Rav Herschel Schechter. Uh, and uh, I heard this shear uh, in 19... Um, I guess it was 87 or 88. So, um, and I told Rav Herschel Schechter that I remembered it, that when I met him last year, I was speaking to him about it. Rav Herschel Schechter said uh, that when he was a, um, a student in YU, one of the um, teachers that he had was someone who I think just died last year, Herman Wook. Herman Wook taught a class in English literature and ethics in YU. And Herman Wook said that one of his greatest books that he wrote 
that won the uh, Pulitzer Prize, I believe, was the Cain Mutiny. And he said the purpose of his book, The Cain Mutiny, was to prove the idea that even if you think they're, even if you know they're wrong, you follow them no matter what. That is the idea of the Cain Mutiny, and it's based on the Pasuk of Le Sosur. And that's why, even though the, they, they seem to be nicer guys, Van Johnson and the other guys who are, um, who are, um, uh, who go, who, who mutiny, who mutin, uh, who form a mutiny against Bogart, who is the, uh, Captain Quig, you, they still need to be court-martialed. Because that's the chain of command. That is what Herman Wuk said. He was inspired by this learning. So Rav Schechter said that he pointed out, I don't know if he told Wuk directly, but Rav Schechter said that Herman Wuk had erred because he didn't know about this Ramban. Yesh botanai is bonen mo hamistako barishon shalhurius. If you are someone who is a chacham, and even if you're not officially on the uh, on the Bezdin Agodo uh, dais, but you you have knowledge and you could be on there, and they say something is mutter, and you think they made a mistake, you don't have to listen to them, and you don't, especially if it's something that if you eat it, it would be usher in your way of looking at it. What you should do is not make a public mutiny necessarily, but you should be machmir for yourself. And if you are part of the Sanhedrin, and even if you're not, you should approach them and tell them why you think they're wrong. And they will argue with you. And they will hear what you have to say. And you need to have your ability to make your case totally and completely of why you think they're wrong. And you need to, and they have to listen to that. And if most of them, or all of them, hear what you say, and they still refute you, and they explain to you why you're wrong, the shivshul of Svarosov, they hear what you say, and they explain why what you have said is incorrect, then you give in. Why? Because they heard you out. You might not like the way they answered you, but you had your you had your uh, your shot, you had your your opening to make your case as clear as you can, and they heard it, and they still disagreed with you. And or and, and therefore they, they explain themselves based on your argument. Then, if that's what happens, then you have to accept what they say because you spoke it out with them. That's why he said, in the case of the Cain mutiny, you know, <laughs> their points were never brought up. So you don't have to listen. If you think, right, you, you need to go to the high tribunal 
and explain yourself. If they're in the tribunal, they say you're wrong. That's something else. But if the if, if the captain who's on guard there and you know that he's wrong, then you don't have to uh, follow and at least <laughs> and do something which would be usher. So that was what Rav Shechter said <laughs> is why it's not the Cain mutiny uh, lesson. But all of this is about laws in the uh, laws in the Torah. But anything that they created, there's no connection to it. It's just an asmachta. Why? And and really, let's say you would want to fight with the Bezdin over Hanukkah, over Erevin. There's no din of, of of rebelliousness there. And in fact, let's say the Rambam's case, where I just don't want to do Ner Hanukkah. I don't want to do Erevin. You're not a rebel. You're not a rebel. You're just doing an Avera. You just don't want to do it. I, 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 I don't want to do Muktzah. I'm sick of keeping Muktzah. So you're not over that love. And you're not Bechlal, this Parsha at all. Because remember, the Parsha, as he says, leads to the Denumah. Lososer leads to the last words in the Parsha, which is you kill the guy for not listening. Lefishu kulo onesh hamamrim. Everything about the Parsha is really, it's not, uh, according, to the, according to the Rambam, the first section of it is not connected to the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the ultimate verses that deal with the person who doesn't listen. According to Ramban, it's all one Parsha that, 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 that is leading to the one who will not listen. It starts with a, 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 a Zokain who, who, is, a, a, who, who makes his case, who's arguing about something, who doesn't, there's, there's something that he means it earnestly and honestly, there's something that he believes is, is not clear, and there's a debate about what the Torah means, and they go to get resolution at the highest court, and then he refuses to accept it, which means we're talking about a mamre, not a, a sinner. This has nothing to do with a sinner. Now, the rabbis decided to use Leisoser as an asmachta, that's all, in order to... Um, uh, now, we go back to Ner Hanukkah for a minute, and he, the Ramban proves that. Because he says, we find, when it comes to, he says, the mitzvah shechidshu chachomim, like Ner Hanukkah, they're not even part of the asmachta. What's in the asmachta? You know what's in the asmachta? What's in the asmachta is a siog. For example, muktza, which is a siog, let's say, to, to, to carrying on Shabbos, or to doing a malacha with what you're carrying. Or let's say, uh, uh, the erevin. That might also be an asmachta because it's to stop you from carrying into Rishus Harabim. You have to make a Rube Chatzeros. All of that is somehow protecting the din of the Torah. So that is, is only lososer as an asmachta. So, for example, when you put your Erev down, you could say, because it's connected in an asmachta way to loisoser. However, Hanukkah or Megillah he says he doesn't even believe the Ramban that they're connected to Le Saucer at all. And that's why, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you have this um you have this um minor 
Amora, Rabbi Avia, saying, oh, it's Le Saucer. But the main man, Rav Nachman, one of the great Amarayim, says it's not Le Saucer. So Rabbi is the one who wants to say that there's an asmachta to Leisosur. Not that it's mamish Leisosur. And Rav Nachman is the one who says, no, you can't even use it for an asmachta. Why? Because an asmacht has to at least bear some relation to the real mitzvah. The real mitzvah is about the Zokin Mamre, who argues about what is it that the Torah means here. So it's got to be something. Sheyesh Bechem Iker B'Torah. Avol mitzvah samachudeshes man. It's not even an asmachta. Uh, Rabbi Tivolevich, I'm sorry. Where could you tell me again? Where is this Gemara? Chav Gimel and Shabbos. Chav Gimel and Shabbos. That's where the Gemara talks about Ner Hanukkah, and it has a very strange machlokas about where where the Asher Kedushonim Zavitzivanu comes from. So the Ramban says that we see from Nachum Bar Yitzchok that that he 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 smacks down Rabbavia's strange attempt to tether Ner Hanukkah even in an Asmachta form to Leisosur. Because Leisosur is, again, Leisosur needs to be seen in its primal sense of what it's about to understand how you can now create an Asmachta. For example, the Gemara in, in, in Brochos about Tuma de Rabbonin, Kalayim de Rabbonin, all of those things are Syogim to the Dindarais, and you can see why the rabbis would like to use Leisosur as the Asbachta. But when it comes to mitzvos that are mechudoshos, where do they come from then? They come from, well, the rabbis want, aren't they those your Zikanim? Do what the Zikanim tell you to do, the Torah says. The Zikanim say it's a good thing to do, you should do it. But, um, why? Now, we'll end with this. Here he tries to explain why certain things can be in Asmacht and certain things can't. Where, for example, they're going to tell you, you know what, every time you have woven linen, even though it's not really woven together, that's called Klyon. So they really didn't say that's what the Torah means when it says the word Shatnez, right? But they decided to make an Isser. They said, you know what, from the way we're looking at it, whenever you have wool and linen, it doesn't have to be woven together, that's called client. And you know what, um, anytime you, you move stuff around, like you're moving mooks around, or you do half of a malocha, you do an akira, we're going to call that a malocha. And the reason why, because if they wanted to, since they are the Sanhedrin, they sort of could have said, you know what, we interpret the word malacha to mean an akira by itself. We in turn, the word, uh, we can, they could have really, if they wanted to, have interpreted the Torah to mean that. If, if that's what they decided, they could have actually said, hey, you know what meat means? Basar b'cholav, meat means chicken. They could have said that. So since if they would have said that, we would say, well, we don't know what busser is. We know every generation is going to want to know what does meat mean? Now that there's chickens everywhere, is that what meat means? Oh, you know, Chayov and Lahamino some. 
we would have had to we would have had to treat chicken as if it was really meat. So since they could have really upped the ante, they could have decided and told us, you know what it means when it says losasa melocha? That means even carrying stuff like stones that have no purpose. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what it means. They could have done that and inserted it in the Torah. So therefore, we've got to take their derabonans as well. Since we, our interpretation of the Torah is what they say, when they create a rabbinical adjunct, it's got the power of their interpretation behind it. They've got the muscle to have said, hey, you don't want to listen to this? We can make you, we could make you accept this as the Torah. Yeah, we could say that's what the Torah means. You can? Yes, we're the Sanhedrin. So therefore, we're going to have to accept as well the rabbinical interpretation. Oh, I, oh okay. It's not really from the Torah. No, no, it's not. But you've got to listen anyway. And we're connecting it to Lesosor. But it's not really from the Torah. But you can see why the Asmachta works. Because, oh boy, I'm happy you guys didn't tell me that's really from the Torah. Yeah, yeah, but remember, Lesosor. We could have really said it's from the Torah. That's why it's an asmachta from Lesoser. <laughs> Even though they didn't go so far. When they make up their own mitzvahs, you can't connect it to Lesoser because that has nothing to do with the power of the Sanhedrin to tell you what the laws mean. You know what it could be? It could be Shoavicha. And, you know, which basically. According to the Ramban, there's a, a general mitzvah to uh, respect the old people, respect the rabbis, respect the zikainim. Yeah, okay, it's, it's nothing specific. If they think there's a good thing society needs, yeah, you should accept it. That, that's what rabbinic authority is to accept it. Not, yeah, they wouldn't, it, would be, it, would, it would be intellectually dishonest to use Leisosser. In fact, he says there are many chachamim who say that when you have such a mitzvah, you can't make a bracha on it. You can't say share kedushamitzimano on mitzvahs azakenim. You have to do it. You have to take a luav. There's a sheet that holds you, that you only make a bracha al netilas luav on the first day of, of Sukkot. You don't make a bracha on the other days. Do you have to take a luav the other days? It's actually Rav Nachman's opinion in in, in the Gemara and Sukkah. He, he of course says you would need to take a lulav seven days. It was the takon of Rabbi Yochanan ben Sakai that you need to take a lulav for seven days, but you don't make a bracha. And the reason is, is because a bracha connects you back in some fashion, asmachta though it might be, to leisosur. But this is something they clearly just invented. They created this idea for us to remember the Mishkan. There's no way, in other words, they could have said, Mitzvah is to take a lulav seven days. It doesn't say this. There's no way they could have said, hey, well, we could have interpreted it to mean you take it all seven days. No way. There's no way they could have said that. Because the Torah writes, you only take the lulav on the first day. It says in the Beis But there's no way they could have ever demanded we take a lulav for seven days. The most they could say, we think it's a good thing. But you're not going to make a bracha because, because once again, it doesn't have mitzivanu. It doesn't have the idea of the threat of what they could have commanded. So really, you know, based on my reading here, we have 
a, a, a great distinction of why we listen to the rabbis. We listen to the rabbis for mukts and other things like that because really they could have, if they wanted to, they could have really imposed upon us and made us follow it from the Torah itself. So that's the reason why we sort of say, okay, we'll accept what you said. I mean, I guess you guys, you know, you know about this topic. The other takanos that the rabbis made is just this general, like, you know, sort of like vague idea. Yeah, listen to the listen to what the Zakanim tell you. Zakanim have good advice. Like you see from Moshe Rabbeinu, Zakanim are smart. And they're the ones who are probably the ones you should search to. And if they believe it's a good thing, well, you see the Torah likes the idea that the smartest people and the ones that are around are people that should probably guide you in what you do. But it doesn't it doesn't enter into being called a tzivui from God, even in any sort of, even in a smachta fashion of any way. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.